Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org. And now a message from The Rock of Gainesville. As we were worshiping this morning, I thought Jamie had gotten a hold of my message uh, last week, but I didn't get it until yesterday, so uh, I guess his song was directed by Holy Spirit. Can you do it or not? Can the first song go up there somewhere, anywhere? Maybe not. Um, let me know if it pops up. There, there it is. All right. Uh, go through this real quick. Just keep up until I tell you to slow down. Or my champion, Giants Fall. Every battle you won, I am who you say I am. You crown me with confidence. I'm seated in the heavenly places, undefeated, with the one who has conquered it all. Now I can finally see it. You're teaching me how to receive it. Pause right there a second. That's all about the Word of God. That's not about your emotions. That's not about how you feel today. If today you got really one of those updates. How many like updates? You just feel, woo! I mean, you don't really care for those down days. But how many of you have them every once in a while? Don't be spiritual. You know you do. I'll call you out. Now I can finally see it. You're teaching me how to receive it. Go ahead. So let all the striving cease. This is my victory. You are my champion. Giants fall when you stand undefeated. This song went so much with the thing that's been stirring in me for a couple of weeks, which is... The battle between flesh and spirit. Anybody besides myself have that? I mean, mine might be a physical issue. Yours might be a financial issue, a a business issue, a marital issue, a relational issue, a job issue. It doesn't matter. We all have battles in the natural. And we will either walk in victory uh, or walk in defeat dependent upon the word that is in us. And it's not the word in the word that changes your life. I started to bring out my big sword this morning, you know, with the the word and the big sword in it, and uh, swing that around a little bit, because I want us to understand it's not the power in the word until the word becomes powerful in you. Otherwise, you can drive around all you want around Alachua County with your King James Bible in the windshield, and all it's going to do is destroy the leather and wrinkle the paper. It's not going to change your life. It's not going to affect you. It's not going to empower you when all it does is sit in the windshield so you can show everybody how spiritual you are. It's when the Word gets in us, that it becomes life to the degree that no matter what you're going through in the natural, you're not allowing the natural to have the final say. Suzanne and I were talking yesterday because the last few Sundays that I preached, the Saturday before I preached, I just had a major battle. And Suzanne just got fed up with it yesterday. She's just like, all right, let's figure this out. You know, what's going on? It, it, you know, is it, what, what's happening? And I said, it's demonic. <laughs> I mean, it is when one minute you feel good and the next minute you just feel like, I don't think I can, you know, make it. 
So you, in the natural, you start figuring out who, who can be ready if I call him. Pastor Ron, does he have a word in him? Does Jamie have a word in him? Does Hector, does uh, Franco, does, you know, does Suzanne? Do, do the, if, somebody, if I need to call somebody, will they be ready? That's the natural reasoning. <laughs> and the spiritual is you're just going to continue to pray and believe through that when it's time, there will be a grace and a strength. And listen, it doesn't matter what your issue is. Mine's physical. Whatever it is you're going through is every bit as real as what I'm going through. If you're going through marital problems right now, it might be worse than what I'm going through. Because marital problems sucketh. <laughs> Am I being honest? I mean, when there ain't no peace, there ain't no peace. And, and to be honest, I'd rather go through what I'm going through right now than just a bad marriage all the time. Because when it's a bad marriage, it's not just about your decisions. It's about your spouse. And you both got to get the victory before y'all can have the victory. But whatever it is you're going through, there is a power, there is a word that works in us. And uh, so this morning, for a few minutes, I want to talk about the spoken word or uh, the power of the word or more importantly, the power of your words. Because your words determine victory or defeat. I know it's Christ in me, the hope of glory, but if it's not Christ being revealed in me and me stepping out in faith and making a decision based on Christ in me, then all I have are my emotions. How, how good was it last Sunday? Well, what did Pastor Hector preach? And I was like, oh, what, what was the title that I made? I, it was a really good message, man. Man, that thing really just, but you can't remember anything about it. It's the word when it gets in you and stays in you that begins to impact the you in you. And that word, I mean, I'm 65 years old, been walking with the Lord since I was eight. That's um, 57 years. I've had a lot of walks in my life where it was all based on my emotions. Woo, I'm feeling good today. Hallelujah. Do the hallelujah two-step. But then there are days, weeks, months, when your emotions are just whacked out. And you're trying to live for God for that last memory of when it was really good. I remember the time I went to my pastor, Quentin Edwards. I was 18. Our youth pastor had just left. I walked in because I was on a little spiritual high, just gotten filled with the Holy Spirit, and man, I was just, uh, just excited about living in the kingdom. And so when uh, our youth pastor left, and he was a great youth pastor, I had a couple hundred kids in our youth group, and I remember calling uh, his, his secretary and making an appointment, went in to see him, and I sat, <laughs> I sat down, Lord, for, forgive me for being so stupid. But I just walked in there just so bold. I said, Pastor Edwards, you don't have to worry. You don't even have to look. You don't have to think about a youth pastor. I'm the man for the job. That was my last resume I ever gave. He, he looked at me, 
He said, man, I love what I see the Lord doing in you, but you don't have enough word in you to beat yourself out of a wet paper bag. Once your emotions are through in a week or two, what are you going to be able to give to these kids of mine? Ow! I didn't like that. Didn't want to hear that. Oh, and worse than that, he audio taped it. I got the tape back there in my office. Been there for 40-something years. I don't listen to it. I just look at it. If I ever get arrogant, I look at it. If I ever start thinking it's me, I look at it. But it was a life-changing pastoral father word that saved my life. It's the word that our young people need in their lives. It's the word that our children need. That's why I love what Pastor Ed and Miss Karen and all the team uh, does back there in JAM and Miss Heather and all of our amazing preschool teachers is that we are imparting the word to these kids every single week. Little bit of the word, little bit of the word, little bit of the word. And it's going to find root to where what they have is not based on their emotions. And emotions are good sometimes. But better than your emotions is the confidence of who you are in Christ because of what the Word of God says, what you have experienced in your life. So I want to share a few scriptures, and I want to begin in Revelation. Yep, Revelation chapter 1, verse 9. John is uh, on the Isle of Patmos. He's taken into the spirit realm. He has a revelation that lasts Uh, 20-something chapters. But he writes this beginning in verse 9. He said, I, John, your brother and partner in the tribulation and the kingdom and the patient endurance that are in Jesus, was on the aisle called Patmos on account of the Word of God, on account of the Word of God and the testimony of Jesus. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet. He said, I heard a loud voice saying, write what you see in a book and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pergamum, to Thyatira, to Sardis, to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me, and on turning, I saw seven golden lampstands. He said, I turned to see the voice. And in the midst of the lampstands, one like a son of man, clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash around his chest. The hairs of his head were white, like white wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze, refined in a furnace, and his voice was like the roar of many waters. In his right hand, he held seven stars. From his mouth came a sharp, two-edged sword. And his face was like the sun shining in full strength. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying, Fear not, I am the first and the last. And the living one, I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore. And I have the keys of death and Hades. Write, therefore, the things that you have seen, those that are, 
and those that are to take place after this. As for the mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. And as most of you know, you go over into Revelations chapter 2 and 3, and John starts writing out what he heard Jesus say to the seven churches. And to every one of them, he had a different comment. But to every one of them, he said, to him who has an ear to hear, to him who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Hear me. In that verse that I just finished reading, verse 19, write therefore the things that you have seen, those that are and those that are to take place after this. So the word to the seven churches, we have a responsibility to go to that word and say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to the Rock of Gainesville in Gainesville, Florida, Lutra County, the state of Florida, the nation of America, What word are you saying to us today that we need to have an ear to hear and an ability to receive so that we can do what you have called us to do in our generation? We're called. Next Sunday, we're going to celebrate 35 years since Suzanne and I started the Rock of Gainesville in obedience to the voice of Holy Spirit. On the 16th of August... We were with Eudice and Tessa, and I turned to Suzanne and I said, 35 years ago today, we both departed and arrived. We left Panama City, Florida, the rock of Panama City, and in the same day, four hours later, we arrived at our destiny. And out of obedience to that word, today, we celebrate as a people, we look back and go, wow, look what the Lord has done. (laughs) It wasn't us. It was God in all of his goodness and his mercy and his faithfulness. Many of you uprooted from other places. Some of you kicking and screaming as Holy Spirit said Gainesville to you the same way he said Gainesville to me. Some of you came here as college students. Four years, I'm out of here. 24 years later, here you is. (laughs) You're still here. God still has a purpose and a plan, and it doesn't end with us celebrating 35 years next year, next week. Next week's not the ending. It's just the beginning of another day, another opportunity for us to be about the Father's business. It's way past time to stop playing religious church games. Doing the church duty. We are called for such a time as this. And it's not our emotions or our emotional highs. I walked in the back door this morning and I love and appreciate all of our musicians. Would you give it up for all of our musicians? They are, they are gifted and anointed. All of our worship leaders, our singers, I appreciate their heart. Walked in the back door this morning and I heard the sound of worship. 
And man, it just immediately brought healing to what was going on in my flesh. Just the presence of God. If I can just be in his presence and live in his presence and apply the word that you've been reading and meditating on and considering and contemplating and saying, Lord, how is that word for me? How is that word for my 12-year-old daughter, for my 14-year-old son, for my 7-year-old son, for my 6-year-old granddaughter? My granddaughter, uh, Scarlett, walked into my office this morning, little crown in her hand. Baba, two days. It's my birthday. Puts her little crown on her head. Wyatt's sitting there going, Baba. Yesterday she said, as she put the crown on, y'all, bow down. <laughs> Wyatt said, that ain't going to happen. <laughs> Out of the mouth of babes. <laughs> She's the last of three. She's milking it for all she's got. <laughs> she's milking it. And it's okay. Because it's her birthday. In two days. <laughs> but the word. Revelation chapter tw uh, 2 verse 12. And to the angel John wrote of the church of Pergamum. Right. The words of him who has the two-edged sword. Now, I want you to consider what the Word of God has to say about that sword. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 says, For the Word of God is living and active. Matter of fact, let's all read this aloud together. Start reading. For the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. Hear me now. It's not that word in Hebrews 4.12 that's going to change your life. It's that word when you get it in your spirit that becomes a two-edged sword. Until it becomes life, it's just words. It's just words. But when it becomes life to you, all of a sudden that word becomes a two-edged sword. It begins to cut asunder between life and death, righteousness and unrighteousness. Suzanne read a book that somebody gave her recently, and uh, she was speed reading through this book every night. Baby, turn off the light. I can't. I, I, just one more chapter. And she kept saying, you got to read this book. you got to read this book. This, 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 man, this is a powerful book. Thinking, okay, I know the church is tired of hearing me say that because every book I read, I tell you, it's a powerful book. Most powerful book I ever read. Y'all should read it. Anyhow, this book is about the testimony of a young man, one of eight kids, who lived a very hellacious um, immoral life, deep into his 30s, I believe, when at a coffee shop, there's so many directions this little story can go that's so powerful, at a coffee shop, 
He's intrigued in L.A. in the middle of woke and everything else. There were a few guys that had the audacity in L.A., in Hollywood, to sit down at their table and open up Bibles. He said it offended him. (laughs) He got mad. But then something inside of him was intrigued. Why these guys in the middle of all of this stuff had the guts? They weren't doing it for show. They weren't doing it to, they were having a small Bible study. And he was so intrigued, him and his friend turned their chairs and asked them the question, is that a Bible? You read it. One thing led to another. Eventually, his friend got up and left. Everybody at the table except one young man had to leave, got up and departed. Just him and this young man. And the young man asked him right before he left, he said, would you like to come to church with me next week? His initial thought was, hmm, no. But let me show you the goodness of Holy Spirit. You're saved in here this morning. It's because Holy Spirit prepared your heart for the day of reckoning when you would come to the revelation that you needed a Savior and you couldn't save yourself. He, the Holy Spirit, the person of God, prepared your heart. And Holy Spirit began to touch this man's heart. And so for a solid week, he was miserable. One minute he was going, the next minute, hmm, no, he ain't going. Next minute he's going, the next minute he ain't going. All the way up until Saturday night when he finally made his choice, I am not going. But Sunday morning came. (laughs) Come on, there's something about Sunday morning. There is something about Sunday mornings. And he woke up, and before he knew it, he was taking a shower and getting dressed. And he drove to this church. And the long and short of it is, in a matter of about an hour and a half, he experienced the presence of God in worship, the power of God through his word, and the love of God by revelation. That radically, radically changed his life. The word had been spoken, and the spirit brought confirmation. And this man writes his story. This book's not for everybody, but it is a powerful story of what the word of God will do in a person's life. Church is absolutely necessary. The preached word of God, absolutely necessary. It was in that first service, sitting there at the end. An altar call had been given. People were lined across the front, and he wanted so much to go. He knew not one person in the place, so it didn't matter if he went or not, but there was a battle raging. Worship continued until all of a sudden he said, I couldn't sit there any longer, and he got up and he went down, and he confessed his sin to this couple. And they prayed over him, and he went back to his seat. 
He said, well, did he feel anything? Was there, was there trumpets blasting? Were the lights flashing? Were the, the, the fireworks going off? He went back to his seat, and his life began to radically change. And he went from the Bible is a boring book of law to I can't get enough of Christ through his word. It's through his word that the Holy Spirit reveals Jesus. It's through his word that the Holy Spirit begins to enlighten, teach, impart, give us wisdom, understanding. I was reading Solomon yesterday in the book of Ecclesiastes. Come on, somebody. Dude's having a crisis in his life. Everything he says is vanity. My whole life, he says, has become vanity. But the word, Christ, spoke and declared, begins to change. The word in us becomes living and active. Living and active, sharper than a two-edged sword. I've said to all the kids that ever come to my office in the back, because they're always drawn to the sword, don't touch the sword. Because the sword can cut you. And a two-edged sword cuts both going in and coming out. And when you get the Word of God in you, let me ask you this. When you got saved, how many of y'all had some junk in your life? Let me see your hand. I'm just looking. Okay, there they go. All the other hands go up. Got some junk in our life. What changes that? Is it just one experience down at the altar? That's the beginning, that's the walking out, that's the beginning of the process of me walking out my salvation. But what's going to change my life? It's that word that all of a sudden, by Holy Spirit, you're opening up the word, you're opening up the word, you're opening up the word, and Holy Spirit is taking and he's revealing that word in your spirit, and it becomes sharper than a two-edged sword. It begins to separate some things in you. You don't like those things. But they just seem to... Paul talked about in Romans chapter 7, the things I hate. Come on, somebody. Things I hate. Wow, is it easy to do those things. Man, I'm thankful he didn't stop with Romans chapter 7. Romans chapter 8, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who walk in Christ Jesus, live by the Spirit, not after the flesh. Starts talking about the power of the Holy Spirit because it's the Holy Spirit that when you're opening up the Word of God, begins to change you from the inside out. One of my prayers for us as a people is that as much as we love energy and excitement and drums and keyboards and guitars and violins and worship leaders, as much as we need them in our life, that's not what's going to change you from the inside out. Only unless they're leading us singing a song that talks about the word and what impact it has in our life. But it's the word on a daily basis. And then you come back and you enter into worship. Man, worship is awesome when you're in the word. 
Sometimes it's not awesome because when you're in the Word, conviction comes. And until you make that thing right, what? You're miserable, right? I mean, there is a, I got to get this thing right in my life. I got to stop doing this or doing that. And in the natural, you think, I got to, I got to. When in place, we need to invite Holy Spirit, come do a work in me, in my heart. Through your word, let that conviction be so sweet that I am tired of this thing having an impact in my life. This man's story, I'm not certain that I've ever read a greater revelation I mean, we know the story of Paul on the road to Damascus, going to go kill some Christians. Holy Spirit speaks, light shines, boom, he falls down, they help him up. He goes to uh, a place to rest, and for three days he's blind. Holy Spirit sends someone to lay hands. His blindness becomes uh, eyesight, and all of a sudden Paul sees, and he is radically changed. Because when the light shone, what did he say? Lord, Lord. He didn't even know who the Lord was. But he was saying, he was crying out, what do you have of me? Changed his life. As I, as I read this story, as Suzanne read this story, encouraged me to read it. I realized that here in, in 20 2009 or 10, 7, 8, somewhere in there, when this man had this experience, his life radically, it, it wasn't like, matter of fact, he's, he's asked a question, I'm very careful how I share some of this, but he, he was asked the question, what about these desires you have? Do you still have these desires that are not God? And he said, yes, I still fight temptation. But he said, he said, when I came into the revelation of Christ, my Lord, how could any individual compare to Christ? So as much as my flesh might desire and want something, my spirit man has surrendered to the one who saved me, to the one who changed my life, to the one who imparted his goodness and his love and his forgiveness and his mercy and his tenderness was given to me. And when I read that, my prayer was, Lord, anybody that's just been raised in church their whole life and they just try to do good and be good, help them to have a revelation. Help them to have a revelation of your love so that living for you is not a law, a struggle. I got to do this. No, it becomes, look what Christ has done for me. And what is he requiring of me? What is he asking of me? What is he wanting of me? I'm 65. Some of you are 85. A couple of you. Some of you are 25. We're in all different phases of our life and our journey. But our life is going by like that. And I'm at a place in my life where I'm saying, Lord, not one more day do I want to waste Losing an opportunity to touch someone's life with what you've touched mine with. Right. Suzanne had, Suzanne and I had a divine appointment uh, at the hospital. 
met a young lady and uh, just got to share stories with each other. And she is now part of my prayer team, and I'm a part of her prayer team. I'm praying for her, and she's been in a battle for uh, a few years longer than I have. And, and uh, she was sharing with Suzanne while I was getting an MRI. Don't you just love an MRI? My goodness gracious, the Lord knows that I will be talking to him nonstop, praying in the Spirit every time they put me in that tube. I don't know about y'all, I don't like it. But man, do I have some good prayer time. I texted my sister-in-law after I came out and I said, man, I hope you felt those powerful prayers because I was praying over you. Really? What was going on? I was in a tube. (laughs) I needed to pray to stay focused on not beating this machine up. But the Word in us begins to do a work that takes us from trying to live for Christ out of religious habit or out of a revelation of how good and awesome and wonderful and mighty He is. It'll change the way we worship God when we gather in the house. We'll go from hands in our pockets to hands in the air. Not because it's our personality or it's this or that, but but it's because he's worthy. He's worthy. He paid the price for your sin and my sin. A price that we could not pay. We owed a debt, and he was willing to pay that debt. And out of that, the love relationship, as we surrender to his awesomeness and his goodness and his mercy and our need, our need to know him in the way he wants to be revealed to us doesn't happen for casual inquirers. Quiet in here. Doesn't happen for casual inquirers. Those that diligently seek God with their whole heart will find Him. The words are only powerful when applied by faith. And faith-spoken words are what is more powerful than any two-edged sword you would ever experience. Faith-spoken words are what pierces to the division of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. I never, ever in 62 years of living ever thought about bone marrow. But I think about it today. Why? Because there's a battle raging inside of my body. There's a battle in my blood. Little mutated stem cells, demonic. Cancer is not of God and cancer is never used by God to teach one of his children. Never. Cancer is a curse and it's demonic. And I believe we have authority over it. And so we begin to speak that word. And we speak. I speak to my bone marrow. I speak to my stem cells. 
I call stem cells to come alive by the authority that Jesus already declared and Peter spoke when he said, by his stripes, you're already healed. Therefore, even though there is a battle raging in you, just like you're walking out your salvation, you're walking out your healing. And you're walking it out by faith. And what you're depending upon is not. See, I wanted to know what the doctor said in the natural because I believe one day in the natural, the doctors are going to go, oh my gosh, I don't know what's going on. We can't find any of this in your computer, in your lab work. We can't, we can't see any of it. That's, that's the natural. But hear me. If I never hear that this side of heaven, I still believe what the Word of God has to say over me. Why? I don't know. But I don't have to know. What I know is that I'm healed by the stripes that Jesus bore, just like I'm saved through the same atonement. So I declare that. Speak that. You speak that over your marriage. Your marriage looks like it's on the rocks. You ain't got no hope. Start speaking the Word of God. Start declaring God's Word. Start praying. Start asking God to change you. Your finances are all in a wreck. Start speaking the Word of God and start obeying the Word of God. Don't spend what you don't have. Your relationships speak the Word. I got to close, but I'm going to close with this. Mark chapter 11, verse 22 through 24 says this. Jesus answered the question by saying, have faith in God. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, listen, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. Now, the first thing I want you to get is understand this. Jesus is not promoting going up to North Carolina and speaking to the mountains, the Rocky Mountains, and telling them to go to the Atlantic. <laughs> He's using something so big that they're having to contemplate. Because did you notice Jesus never cast any mountains into the sea? But he spoke to dead people and they were risen. He spoke to blind eyes and they saw. How many of you believe that's a mountain? Spoke to lame people and they started walking, dancing, leaping and praising God. He spoke just like in the beginning God. Genesis 1. And God spoke, and the worlds took form. God spoke. The power of speaking God's word will change our lives. Charles Capps quoted this, the word of God conceived in the heart, formed by the tongue, and spoken out of the mouth is creative power. Do you get that? The Word of God conceived in the heart, formed by the tongue, and spoken out of the mouth is creative power. Today, as we prepare to close, I want us 
to consider is the word of God powerful and mighty and sharper than any two-edged sword in me and if it's not a simple prayer in faith believing God's word will change us from the inside out give us revelation give us understanding give us insight God's word is medicine to our soul God's word is powerful and there are a few words that I consider powerful words two words that I speak all the time is this I believe I believe period exclamation mark some of y'all texters double triple quadruple exclamation marks with a smiley face and uh, hands like this you're declaring I believe but not only do I believe I declare I declare a man called me the other day and I'm really closer two minutes past man called me the other day that I went to I think Bible college with and we had a long conversation I was picking up Suzanne she got in the car right as he said George can I pray for you absolutely so I put the phone on speaker and he didn't really pray for me he began to make declarations of God's Word and Suzanne I were sitting there I was driving actually and and he was making these declarations and we were in agreement saying amen amen I receive that I believe that I speak that making a declaration of God's Word that will change you no matter what your circumstance looks like put mine aside and take up yours because yours is every bit as real as mine what can change your life the Word of God and not just the word that you believe but the word that you speak, that you begin to speak God's word over your circumstance, your situation, your children, your family, whatever it is that you're going through, that we begin to say, God, your word is more powerful than anything else. So therefore, I speak by faith. I bind on earth. Jesus said, everything you say me, Everything you bind on earth is bound in heaven. And he said, everything that you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. We have the power to bind and loose as believers. Not on our emotions, but by the word of God. So I close with this, my third closing. Live in and by the authority of God's word. Live in and by the authority of God's Word. I want to ask you to stand. I want to ask the prayer team to come. I want to ask you not to leave unless you absolutely have to. I want to give some specific directions this morning because I believe Holy Spirit wants to do something in some of our lives. I know He wants to do something in some of our lives this morning. And as the prayer team comes, I would ask you just to bow your head and listen for just a moment. I don't care how long you've been walking with the Lord. I don't care if it's a few days or 60 years. 
I want to encourage you this morning. If you acknowledge and recognize that there is a lack of the living Word of God in you, I'm going to pray for all of us in just a moment. And then we're going to open up the altar. And if you want specific ministry for anything, these amazing prayer team folks that know how to stand in faith and believe and speak and declare will pray and agree with you. But with every head bowed, everyone in the place, if this morning you acknowledge that in your life, You've allowed other things to have the place of authority. Maybe it's sin, maybe it's sickness or disease or hopelessness in your life, over your marriage, over children, over your family. Today, Father God is saying to us, if we will just surrender to the fullness of the revelation of the Christ and the power of his word and we will walk out of this place today and go home and allow that word to begin to take place above all other things in your life you will find yourself walking free you don't need me to lay some hand on you that's going to supernaturally change your life. What you need is the word that will supernaturally change your life. So across this congregation, before I pray, I'm going to invite you, if that's you, simply just to hold up your hands like you're about to receive a gift from God. And let me pray over us this morning in this place. Father, in the name of Jesus, that name above all names, we lift up our hands before you to receive the fullness of your revelation, your presence, your power, your mercy, your goodness in us. We're thankful today, Father, that we have a an assurance, a confidence that your word is more powerful than any and everything that I'm going through. And that today we long, we hunger, we thirst, we're desperate for that word once again. Even for some of us to help us to return to our first love in Christ. The power of how it changed our lives. So Holy Spirit, in this place, for all of us that have our hands raised before you, let today be the beginning of something new and fresh in each of us. That before we lay our head on the pillow tonight, that we have spent time in your presence inviting you, Holy Spirit, to open up the word and let us see Christ like never before. That like John, the revelator, when he turned and saw the one, the voice, he fell to his face 
of the awesomeness of the Christ who had paid the price for us. Your word today, Father, is mighty. And so we speak it and declare it. And we invite you to take us where we've never been before. In the depths, the fullness of your amazing love, your amazing mercy, grace, goodness in us. Help us to be people of faith and not of fear. Help us to be like containers that contain the Word of God. Not moved by fear, doubt, unbelief, circumstances, pain, doctor's reports, banker's reports. Help us to be containers of faith that our words will carry us as they produce in us faith after their own kind. So I give you thanks and praise. In Jesus' mighty name, and everyone said, amen. Amen. Father, we just open up our hearts now. So we open up these altars and wait for just a few moments. Lord, there might be someone in this place today, might be several someones that they don't know you. They've never received your forgiveness, your salvation. Today, Lord, as we just open up these altars to stand in agreement with the people of this house. Lord, that if there's some that need you, that today they just feel your presence. We invite them to step out, come down, come to one of these prayer teams, ask them to pray. I need Jesus in my life today. I want to be saved. I want to surrender my life. Pray for them, Lord. If there's one or ten, Father, God, that today fear will not keep them back. Intimidation of the enemy will not keep them back. What they have to give up will not keep them back. But, Father, they will step out and declare, I'm ready for Jesus to be Lord of my life. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org.